Welcome to Mediation Today, a program brought to you by Vesnatsa Tichanin, a Canberra lawyer and mediator. Every episode introduces an experienced Australian mediator to talk about mediation training, development, ethics and practice. We acknowledge the traditional custodians of the ACT land, the Ngunnawal people. Dear listeners, in today's episode, my guest is Dr. Lola Akin Ojalabi. Good morning, Lola, and welcome to Mediation Today. Good morning, Vesna. It's a pleasure to be here with you. Dr. Akin Ojalabi is Associate Professor in the School of Law, La Trobe University, Melbourne. Lola is an Australian lawyer and a nationally accredited mediator. She has over 10 years' experience as a practicing lawyer before commencing a career in academia in 2005. Lola has taught dispute resolution, negotiation, cultural aspects of dispute resolution, and international conflict resolution, as well as consumer protection law. Lola's research focuses on ADR ethics, mediator responsibilities, teaching ADR in the law curriculum, cultural appropriateness, ADR and access to justice, and ADR and social justice. Her research interests are in the fields of conflict resolution, including ADR and international law. In January 2021, Lola has had an interesting article published on the ADR Research Network's website titled Managing Societal Conflicts. One of the statements is a line about a just society, which says, a just society, it is argued, is one where justice, freedom, equality and peace are core values. Another recent article presented by Lola talked about the reality check in mediation. These articles raise important questions about how well mediation as a practice is suited for societies where the mentioned deep societal values are missing or in situations where it is hard to get parties to engage in a reality check respective of their circumstances. However, before we get into the discussion about these complex terms and concepts, it would be great, Lola, if you could tell us a bit about your background and how you got interested in alternative dispute resolution, please. Thank you, Vesna, and uh, hello, everyone. I'm admitted to practice law, so I'm a legal practitioner. I am admitted to practice law in two jurisdictions. One is in Nigeria, West Africa, and also in Australia, in Victoria. Prior to migrating to Australia, I had been in legal practice uh, for a number of years, working in commercial or general law practice. Uh, involving commercial and family law disputes and also a little bit about corporate law. Since that time, I had been interested in alternative dispute resolution. I saw, particularly within the jurisdiction in which I practiced, a lot of delay in resolving disputes, particularly disputes that involved family members that are quite sensitive and were very stressful for the parties I thought there could be another way. There has to be a different way of trying to resolve these disputes, uh, particularly those ones that I mentioned involving parties in divorce, uh, issues around children. And so my interest in alternative dispute resolution uh, started at that time. Having said that, also, those kinds of disputes would require a particular type of Uh, alternative dispute resolution and for short, I would say ADR. 
But my journey actually started when I completed uh, a, a short, a minor thesis on international commercial arbitration. And looking at the way uh, the, the rules of international commercial arbitration reflect the interests of developing countries and whether the processes would advantage or disadvantage developing countries. Uh, so that was maybe to say concretized my interest in, in alternative dispute resolution. Those are um, processes that are other than the usual court process, although arbitration is still not fully alternative to the court process because you have a third party who is making determinations. It did give rise to an interest in considering disadvantaged countries and then leading to parties who may be disadvantaged in a dispute, particularly those kinds of disputes that pertain to the family and to children. So in your practice so far, you focused on a number of different areas, actually, or you have been involved in dispute resolution in a number of areas, in commercial, in family, isn't it? Yes. So I talked about that in relation to how my interest in in ADR uh, commenced. But my practice in ADR started when I became an accredited mediator or involved in conferences to try to resolve disputes out of court, but that was still within the shadow of the law, within the court processes. But my, my practice as a mediator started with community mediation. Is your practice of mediation pretty much in Australia? Has it been in Australia? Or you also had some involvement while you were back in Nigeria? While uh, practicing as a legal um, practitioner in in Nigeria, I was involved in a number of dispute settlement meetings. Uh, So that's not the full ADR practice, but as a lawyer involved in trying to resolve disputes um, with the other side, uh, having negotiations with the other uh, parties lawyer. So that's basically it. But my, my practice fully in mediation commenced in Australia. I am an accredited mediator within the Australian National Mediator Accreditation System. So before we go further from from your um, early interests and and involvement in mediation cross law, could you tell me, please, what was the topic of your PhD thesis? I did mention about it in some of your written work since. If you can just talk a little bit about your PhD thesis and what did you find as part of your research for the PhD? So my PhD was exploratory. It was looking, the topic is culture and its impact on conflict resolution processes and outcomes. I wanted to understand the way culture played out in dispute resolution. And looking at disputes, there were three case studies in my my, uh, thesis. All of them relate to intra-community or inter-community disputes, so not interpersonal disputes. Mm-hmm. But I wanted to explore the way culture uh, and the discourse of culture plays out within in a dispute and also in the dispute resolution process and how the discourse could also have an impact on the outcome of the dispute. I looked at culture in a way that it is used to highlight difference 
And so we talk about cultural differences, how culture is considered more important as how some cultures may be considered more important than others, how some cultures may be referred to as barbaric and some as civilized cultures, and how power determines which culture is celebrated and accepted. When you say power, are we talking about economic power? Are we talking about political power? Were you focusing on the power of a state in a society? Or or what was the definition of power that you looked at? So power could come in different ways, which is what you have highlighted. It could be economic power and it could be political power. It could be social power. And I think all of those are important when you're considering the way power plays out, yeah. determines who is heard, whose values are validated, whose concerns are brought to the table. Uh, and I think that also power is not static. Like it is said, it ebbs and flows. Mm. So there could be a shift in power within the dispute. And so a less powerful party today may become more powerful in those kinds of inter-community disputes, either because they have access to, to weapons or access to particular political party, and they have certain political leanings. So it, it could be any type of power. Mm-hmm. But we need to look at power within the context of the conflict itself or the context of the dispute. So it's always relative to the circumstances in which the parties are disputing or this, the, the, the environments within which the yeah. parties are disputing. Yeah. And were you, were you considering the issues relevant to Nigeria or you were um, maybe juxtaposing... Nigerian circumstances and Australian, given that you've been um, in a situation and able to observe both? The case studies that I that I, I, I looked at in my thesis, are, there are two case studies from the southwest of Nigeria. And I also wrote about the East Timor, the Timor-Leste conflict ah, yes. in my thesis. So that that's where the case studies came from. But I did not have a comparison with Australia, with mm-hmm. the situation in Australia. But I would say that the discussion and, and the concepts and, and thoughts and ideas are discussed in the thesis are applicable in any disputes where there are cultural differences between the parties. And I'm now really keen to hear what was the gist of your finding? Uh, I mean, there was no empirical research involved, but the most important thing that I think I came up with is that culture is used as a weapon in conflict, or it could be used. Mm-hmm. And you alluded to that already, that some parties one day can be the weaker party and then with change of circumstances can become a stronger party in negotiations, for example. Yes. Yeah, so uh, please just, um, if you can just elaborate on that, because it's a very, very interesting concept for me and I'm always interested in cultural studies of any kind. Mm-hmm. And so we the, the, the disputes may be about the the boundary. Mm-hmm. Um, but the way the boundary is discussed is not so much about 
its territory or maybe maybe i should use a better example uh, we're talking about resources access to farmland and rather than sit to talk about who has access who has what territory to do the farming and all of that and consider the needs of 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 both parties it becomes an issue about identity it becomes an issue about the way they do things that we don't like and it becomes mm. an issue about us and them and the other and all of that is tied to the culture of the other side the culture of the other party is so much linked to identity so it becomes we and them and the other and it's all about the identity we can't engage with them because they are different to us we don't share the same values rather than consider that you know we are all human and there are needs within this society that need to be met and so we cannot allocate resources based on identity we need to allocate resources based on need and so culture becomes a weapon for sometimes to, to when to to start a conflict it becomes a weapon that causes the conflict to escalate and it becomes a weapon that people that parties bring to the table with them and the discourse can degenerate and become an attack on the identity of the other party and any negotiation in in such circumstances challenge to the core yes very very much so it becomes very complex and sometimes it's not clear that the the parties are continuing are entrenched in the disputes because of these issues they continue without a process that allows an uncovering of those kinds of issues it becomes really difficult sometimes to get to the heart of it mm. but in some disputes it's been going on for years 300 years the, the two two sides have been in conflict since um those in conflict now have been born it's moved from one generation to the other we just don't like them so it, it becomes an attack on who they are rather than a dispute about any allocation of resources and whichever way you go it's always very compl- complex to resolve those kinds of yeah of because disputes. it's so entrenched as you it's, said yeah it's so entrenched and um there, there is a negative projection of the other party's uh, identity. And it, it probably is one of the biggest stumbling points in any negotiation and mediation as well. Dear listeners, my guest in mediation today is Lola Ekin Ojeliapi. And Lola has been telling us about her early practice of law and negotiations and also about her PhD work. In my introduction, I mentioned some of your very recent articles, Lola, where you discussed issues pertinent to the practice of ADI in complex environments, both societal and individual. Given that what you say, realizing positive outcomes require cooperative processes, applies at both levels, so societal and individual. Mm-hmm. Could you please expand on these concepts for our listeners? And I know that you've touched on that a little bit in, in talking about your PhD. But just uh, whether those findings or your conclusions can apply at the individual level as well. Thank you, Vesna. Um, yes, so the whole big idea that I discussed in my PhD thesis, uh, as you said, 
these are things that also could apply in interpersonal disputes between two parties where there is cultural difference. So if there's a, a cultural difference between the parties, these issues can and can And when arise. you say parties, does that apply to individuals as well? Yes, it does. Okay. And, and it does because we have all these stereotypes that people hold sometimes unconsciously about the other person, the way that we look at someone and the way that we perceive their identity and describe their identity and the way that we think about others. And that makes me think that the idea of human dignity is relevant to these kinds of disputes where cultural differences uh, has some is, is playing a part. So human dignity in itself is about self-esteem, it's about uh, self, the respect that is accorded to the other side. And so rather than bringing the stereotypes and the negative perceptions, which, you know, as we go in society, we pick up, and like I said, sometimes unconsciously, rather than bring those into the dispute resolution, we need to start to think about how uh, the positive perception of the other person. So it's the the concept of human dignity is about giving recognition and respect to the other party in a dispute resolution process, particularly where there is cultural difference mm. uh, or where there is a minority culture involved, because that immediately suggests that there is there could be some power disparity between the two parties. And so when we bring in these ideas into the dispute resolution process, dignity as respect and dignity as recognition, and we sit in a cooperative process with the willingness to hear each side, to give voice to the parties, to both parties. Are you talking from the position of a mediator? Or you are talking about the two individuals or two parties looking at each other. Because what we say, just quickly if I may, uh, we say that a mediator is an independent party, doesn't take sides, doesn't get involved in the substance of the matter, we are just facilitating the process, just, I mean, you know, that's a big step uh, and process. But yeah, tell me about that. So it's both. We Mm -hmm. could... It's about one party according self, according respect and recognizing that the other party can be different. The other party also has their self-esteem and, and self-respect. Their voice needs to be heard in any dispute resolution process. It's about the empathy that could come from one party to the other. Willingness to, to hear what their interests are in the dispute. And when we, we talk about cooperative processes, we're talking about a win-win solution, right? So where all the interests of the parties are brought to the table, and we try to devise a solution that addresses the interests of all sides. So in a process, parties should accord respect and recognition to each other. It should be mutual. But also from the point of view of the mediator, Dear listeners, 
This has been the first part of my interview with Dr. Lola Akin Ojalabi. I will be back with you with the rest of this interview. Goodbye.